Hello and welcome again to our home at home services. Hopefully you are again continuing to fellowship and have such an amazing time. Um, may this be a new experience for you as you continue to join together. Some of you maybe this is your first time attending a home at home. I hope you find it uh, wonderful and the fellowship great as we continue to share our current theme. Um, thank you again for the welcome and our worship team. As always, you continue to encourage our hearts as we give God praise. We've been talking about the topic, it's all about the will. And we're just going to recap, uh, just to remind ourselves as to where we have arrived at. Um, we have been looking at the power exchange and understanding that we have personal power. We have a power that God gives to us, but we always have a choice as to how we use that power. And the, the plan is that it's beneficial to you, that you're using it in a way that allows God to reign in your life. And you're realizing where there are moments or potential for the abuse of your power. And so we want to encourage you again, you always have a choice. I even say even at gunpoint, you still have a choice. And so we looked at that. We also talked about how we are in this battle, this tug of war for the soul. And we want to really uh, sort of arrive at a place today where we are looking at some of the key tools that we need in order to advance or come out successfully through this battle, this tug, this jostle that's going on on a daily basis. And what we understand is that this battle really is, as I said, for your soul. And the soul we have identified is comprised of the, the, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so invariably, in some way, one of these aspects are going to always be having uh, an influence. And we have to be conscious as to how that takes place. If we are dealing with this, uh, blindly, it means that we are stumbling through our day, our lives, and not really taking dominion, not taking authority. And we want to be people who take authority over our day, a day that's given to us. There's a beautiful uh, statement in Psalms, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Meaning that God each day gives us 24 hours, depending on how early you want to get up or how late you go to bed, um, will determine how much of those are waking hours. But God gives us a full day in which we have to take authority. We have to look at what it is that we have accomplished um, and the fruits of what comes out of that day. If we don't do that, we're not conscientious about that, you end up in a cycle that Pretty much, it's Groundhog Day. I get up, do the same thing, uh, go through the same processes, go through a gambit of, gambit of emotions, and still then go to bed and get up and repeat it the next day. How do we change that so that we are intentionally taking authority to infuse our day with what is going to ingrediate our lives and nourish us so that as much as we may eat a meal, we are also nourishing our souls, our spirit, so that we are fully immersed and taking a blessing 
out of the day. We're yielding the seeds that we have sown in that day as to how we then come out of it. And we're encouraging you that this is always what is involved in this tug of war. The Bible tells us that here uh, we looked at whoever controls the soul controls you. And we talked about the copyright principle as to what it means to be the originator or the designer of a particular thing. And therefore, you have a copyright based on the fact that it is your original design. And if something is yours and it's your original design, then you say, you determine what happens to that thing because you have the rights. And we talked about a copyright, meaning here that it's the phrase uh, here that's used um, to cover uh, an intellectual property that protects our original work or an authorship. And as soon as you uh, author something, then it, it immediately becomes copyrighted to you. And when we explained this, it was in the context that God gave us his word, Jesus Christ, the living word, who designed, created us. And a copyright actually says that the duration of the copyright lasts for, uh, I think it's up to 75 years after the original uh, design and also goes on after a good few years after the person has deceased, has died. And as far as I know, that the God we serve, Jesus Christ, the living word, the originator and designer of us, is still alive. He has not disappeared. He died and he rose again. So it means that his copyright still stands. But yet what society is doing is they've taken all of his copyright out of schools. We used to have Bibles read in schools. We used to understand that God was the creator. And those things are being slowly erased so that then we get illegal uh, entities springing up where the design now determines who it is. And God is saying that there's no way that is going to benefit you for the betterment of you. How can the design determine who or what it needs to be? And that's why God says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that the heart is so deceitfully wicked that it will trick us into believing that these things are possible, that we can call ourselves something and it just is. But God said, no, I am the maker of you. I know fully how you are designed and how you are made. And in doing so, it means then that you are answerable to him. He decides. He says. And in so doing, it means that the mind itself, if we are not careful, because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, this is Proverbs 23, verse 7, so he is he. And that the heart is deceitfully wicked. It will deceive you because it's always involved in this battle. And so because the heart 
is actually, it says, as a man thinks. So it's saying that the heart is the mind, and we're told that the mind is part of the soul, the mind, the emotions, and the will. And so we understand if it is part of the soul, and the mind is part of that three-tier uh, component, that when John 3 says, and verse 2 says, look, beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health, physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. So we are talking about how can we get our soul to prosper. And this is God's desire for you, that your soul prospers. But look at what John says again. I pray that you, uh, that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. So there is this mirror that if we can get our spirits and our minds to be on God's designed agenda, on God's designed, designed format, we will find then that we get our spirit prospering and also our mind, our, our soul prospering. It's their contingent. There's this balance. May you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. What that means is, is that we can have our souls resting in God, trusting God's word, standing on what we've already spoke about, uh, being the rock, the solid word of God, God himself who is the rock. If we are building our foundation, our mind, our psyche, the structure of us, on the solid rock of his word, then we will prosper in our spirit, in our soul. And therefore, physically, this has an outer working. So the question we ask and arrive at in this tug of war is how can I get my soul to prosper? I'm glad you asked. You see, this is critical to the whole of your life because when you are sick in your soul, in other words, we're talking about your emotions, your will, your mind, it impacts the body. This is why we went through the whole process of let's go to vagus, the vagus nerve. These are all the things that the vagus nerve impacts. So if we can get our soul to prosper, then our physicality will prosper because we are led by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit that leads then the reality, the manifestation, comes subsequent to that. So if we can walk in the Spirit, if we can be led according to God's Word and wisdom, it means we are on the path to prosper physically. Why? Because our mind, our will, our emotions are coming in line with the wisdom of God. So that then His wisdom transcends all laws, because often 
what is not possible within the legality and the laws of our world can be superseded by a God who is not constrained by the laws of this world. That's why when Jesus came, he was able to walk on water. He was able to turn water into wine. He was able to feed a thousands of people with five loaves and two fishes. Why? Because when you step into the spiritual realm, you step out of the limitations of this physical realm and we allow the spirit, the kingdom of God to impact our physicality. So now we are manifesting on earth as it is in heaven. I wonder what it would really look like if we had a group, a culture, a group of people who are walking in this mind and mentality. This is what God has declared to build. And when we look at the, the, the journey of uh, psychologists today, we're seeing that they're arriving at these principles. I've explained before that many years ago, psychiatry was always about dealing with what's wrong with you, diagnosing this is what we see, this is what's going on. But often it wouldn't give you a solution. And what they realize is that instead of major in, in majoring in what is wrong with you, to look at what strengths you possess. What are those things that can help pull you out, those muscles that can help you come out of that awful pit that you are in? And so one of the things that they have come up with is to identify that it's this phrase called PERMA, and it's an acronym for dealing with different things. And it deals with positive psychology, that's the P. We look at here uh, engagement, okay, that's the E. We look at R for relationships, meaning, M for the meaning, and accomplishment for the A. And it's this phrase PERMA. And we are going to start here with looking at what it is to have a positive psychological state. Positive emotions are things like joy. This is this ability to believe this, this to, to believe something that God has declared and by faith see it and begin to rejoice. It is not simply just this idea of just being happy. It's this belief that comes with this deep understanding that you've had a vision, like the children of Israel who were told you were going to possess a land flowing with milk and honey, and Joshua and Caleb saw it and with joy believed that they were going to possess that land. Jesus, the Bible tells us, he endured pain and suffering for the joy that was ahead. So joy is being able to look at things in a positive outlook and have an expectation that it's going to work out. We look at flow, that's another part, another emotion, and it means everything comes together in a moment that's timeless. I love this because John 7 verse 38 says, he that believes on me as scriptures has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I wonder what it would look like if you were walking in flow according to the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit. Look at this word glee. Now, as I'm listing these emotions, I want you to bear in mind that you should not let a day pass that you don't experience one or more of these emotions. Glee is this great sense of merriment. Proverbs 17 verse 22 actually tells us about laughter is good medicine. A joyful heart is good medicine. A happy heart is good medicine. And a joyful mind causes healing. 
So, yes, conversation I was having with you, Lucy Daigle, recently about watching something that was very funny, comedy, something that was giving you laughter, something that was allowing you to feel merry and to be experiencing this joy of glee, laughter, pleasure. It's that feeling of such a great experience, deep desire, deep emotion that is often overwhelming, something that you experience and you just can't even explain it. It's just, wow, that was amazing. So you've either immersed yourself in something that is positively good. It could be a, a message service. It could be a concert. It could be just a group of people that you've got together with and that conversations, the time you had was absolutely full of such great deep pleasure that you left feeling invigorated, inspired, contentment. It means that you are in a position that no matter what's happening around you, you are content. You know that God's got you. You know that he's taking care of you. And I'm not going to worry. And it just allows you to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord no matter what the world is describing, the climate might be, I'm trusting and listening to what you say, that you supply my needs, that you surround me with favor as a shield, that God, you are my helper. And you are content that God... You've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. And you trust what his words say. We look at serenity. It's this absence of mental stress. Remember, we have determined and declared that anxiety is illegal. So you allow yourself to dwell in a place where you put all the anxiety out of your mind. We talked, in fact, in our last in person about casting all your cares on God, doing it vehemently because he cares for you and in so doing you enter into this place where you allow his word to soothe your soul you allow the spirit just to minister to you as you give him glory and praise as you meditate on his word hallelujah but also you then experience hope hope the bible tells us here first corinthians 13 and verse 7 says hope it says hopes all things that's what love does. This love of God hopes all things. It means you always have a positive expectation of good. If you want an, an acronym for that, peg it. P-E-G. You peg it. You have a positive expectation of good that no matter what they say, yes, you've got X disease. Yes, you've got this thing that doesn't appear to be working out, but you believe and you say, God, I believe it's going to work because I trust you. You peg it. You have a positive expectation of good. It holds all things. You are experiencing ecstasy. Sometimes you're in a moment where you're thinking it's a state of elated bliss this. Wow, God, this is amazing. It could be celebrating a great result, celebrating a test, celebrating a move of God's presence, something, a revelation that you've got. Whatever it is, it just allows you to feel elated. And the Bible lets us know that when we understand this, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And it's important to grasp that because that's why it's telling us how you prosper. If you prosper in your soul, you then will prosper physically. 
because your soul, your spirit, your mind and emotions will be having any one of or more of these experiences which invigorate the body and make you feel good. In the words of uh, uh, James Brown, you can declare, I feel good you because you know that God is working all things for your good. Let's look here at number two, engagement. You know, there's a loss of self-consciousness and time stands still. You know, when you are immersed in that moment, you're in that pocket of the will of God, of the presence of God. In its presence is the fullness of joy and you're fully engaged in the moment. And it could be that you're doing it with your work, but you're doing it with God. You could be that you're cooking the dinner, but you're doing it with God. That in that moment, you are fully immersed and engaged. Relationships. What relationships do you have that validate not only your existence, but also lets you know that you are a part of a connected group, a group that supports you, a group that stands by you, a group that will step in and help when help is needed, a group that loves you and sees and knows who you are and still loves you, that makes you feel validated. This is what relationships are all about. And again, psychologists are telling us that our greatest capacity is for connections, because the things we do, we do for another. So our relationships, how important and how strategically are you building your relationships? That's the team, the connections you are putting around yourself to allow you to live in a stable culture. And that's what we're doing here at home. We're looking to make the connections that matter. The connections that allows us to know that we are living our life, but we're living them in the richness and the fellowship of another. Because we were born to be a connected body. We were born to be a community. That God himself, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a community. It's this communion that allows us to really identify the beauty of how we were born. Think about it. Most of your special memories in your life will always have been with someone. Money doesn't visit you, but you see, people do. And I want to tell you that your life is truly made wealthy when you deposit something from yourself into another person's uh, experience, social encounter, and when they do the same, you create a memorable moment. That that now becomes a treasure chest that literally marks the journeys, the stages of your life. I can look back when I was with John or when I was with Mary. This is what happened. This is what we did. It was such a blast. It was good. I remember the time we prayed together with Jane and what God did. All these moments are telling us that our relationships become part of what allows us to be strong, fed, prospering in our souls because we are fed by community. We are fed by this fellowship. And in so doing, it allows us to understand that I can now help another. That again gives me a great feeling because it takes me out of self-centeredness and being able to communicate and contribute to another's blessing. We've recently taken on supporting the Chosen uh, 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 um, Network, the Chosen Charity. 
run by World Vision. And we're seeing here, this is about that, helping another, connecting in and understanding that you were born for more than yourself. These are the relationships that we make, the meaning. These are the things that then come out of those relationships. Our life begins to have meaning. You were born to have meaning. You were born for a purpose and for a reason. Everything that is designed by a designer is designed with a purpose. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, made for God's glory, but with a divine purpose within your whole being. And God is saying here, this is what creates meaning. And out of that meaning comes your accomplishment. It allows you to accomplish those things that make you feel fed. I feel proud of that. I feel rewarded by that, that I contributed to that, that I sowed into that, that I am a part of that. And God allows you then to live on in those things that you are accomplishing on a daily basis. I wonder how much authority you are taking over each day. Every day you are born and awake or living, you are expected to take dominion over that day. I wonder if you can do that by allowing your soul to prosper so that your physicality will prosper. As the word of God says that you then will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so we are encouraging you today that we are here declaring that because you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that if you can follow through with all of this, this palmer, this, this, these emotions, these, these plans that God has in store for us, your days will amount to a manifestation of well-being, of taking dominion, of fighting and winning this tug of war, and so that each day you will see an outcome of the seeds you have sown. I wonder if God can do that in you today, that you can take authority over today and the next day by intentionally going after fulfilling what God has designed you to be. May you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. May God bless you today. May he encourage you today. May the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ wash over your heart and infuse you with his grace and goodness that you will hope all things and have a positive expectation of good that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. May God bless you. May he guide and keep you. 